The Forum at 8 on SAFM. Seven minutes after eight. Thank you so much for tuning in to AM Live. Now, a plea bargain is a legal term referring to any agreement in a criminal case between prosecutor and defendant. The defendant agrees to plead guilty to a particular set of charges in return for some concession from the prosecutor. Now, plea bargain agreements have come under the spotlight of late. Two of the four men accused of stabbing Mozambican national Emmanuel uh, Josiah Sitole to death might enter into a a plea agreement with the state. In the Jade Panayutu case, um, a bouncer is said to be co- uh, concluding a plea bargain deal with the police and uh, this uh, regarding uh, his involvement in uh, the Christopher Panayotu's murder, uh, alleged murder of his wife. Now, another high-profile case includes the 2005 murder of mining magnate Brett Kebble. Now, three gunmen turned state witness and were acquitted. On the Forum at 8 this morning, we discuss how the judicial system exercises their power when it negotiates a plea plea and sentence bargain. We will also examine the fairness and the constitutionality of this process as we ask, is plea bargaining a distortion of justice? And we want to hear your views on this. So give us a call on the number 0891-104208 or you can uh, get in touch with us via Twitter or Facebook at AM Live on SAFM or at Sakina Kamwendo. Also, our SMS line is open. 34701 is the number that you can get in touch with us on. And joining us for this conversation, Advocate G.D. Baloy, who is the Deputy Director of Public Prosecutions for the Gauteng Division in Pretoria. And I'm not sure if we may have lost him there. But also uh, June Marks, who is an attorney at June Marks Attorneys. And um, um, we'll see if uh, we can get them back on the line because clearly there seems to be a bit of a problem there. So just looking at, uh, you know, some of your interactions already uh, regarding this particular matter, Maksuda Mutala Kader wants to know why are Emmanuel's killers being offered plea bargains? It's an absolute travesty. And these are some of the issues that we want to talk talk about because uh, for the most part it would seem as though uh, this whole process is uh, shrouded in some secrecy a secrecy because there isn't really much transparency as uh, you know it stands and uh, accountability then also becomes an issue so this is what we are hoping to explore this morning is plea bargaining a distortion of justice advocate um, george baloy uh, i believe we do have you on the line now good morning and thanks for speaking to us yeah good morning sakina and good morning to the listeners now advocate uh, you know maybe we should start at the very beginning by just looking at the definition of what a plea bargain actually is um, Sakina, plea bargaining is a procedure that parliament brought in the statute books um, in the form of Section 105, Capital A of the Criminal Procedure Act. It came into operation on the 14th of December 2001. Um, uh, in its simplest form, it amounts to the following. Um, the uh, defense and the state agrees to um, avoid the need to go on trial and they um, obviate that need to go on trial by agreeing um, on certain facts that need to be proved by the state and um, they also agree on sentence. Um, Usually this uh, agreement is in writing and uh, it must be signed by both 
um, the representative of the accused as well as accused and uh, and the prosecutor. And if there was an interpreter involved, the interpreter must uh, sign this agreement as well. The um, the court is not, um, or the presiding officer is not involved in the negotiations. It's just between um, the defense of the state. That that is, you know, uh, sim- you know, put it. Uh, that's put in a, in its simplest form. Mm. And and uh, would a judge have a role to play during uh, plea bargaining? Yes. Um, not during the negotiation phase. Um, the the only time um, the negotiations happen extracurally. And once the defense and the state have agreed on um, the, the, the issues that need to be proved by the state as well as on sentence, they'll then go back to court and say, um, you know, um, we sat down and, and we've hammered out an agreement. Here's an agreement. And only then at that stage um, will the presiding officer then uh, become involved. They then present the proposal to the court for the court to sanction that, that, that proposal. But why would you make a deal with, uh, you know, someone who, uh, and, and in some instances, you know, the people involved are accused of some of the most serious uh, criminal misconduct. Why would you then enter into these forms of agreements with them? Yeah. Uh, it's actually a good uh, question. Um, you know, we have what we call an adversarial system um, or an accusatorial system. You know, um, the, the the state and the defense cross sorts in court um, uh, over um, uh, you know issues that, that that need to be proved. But you know, you know um, in this instance, the defense and, and the state sit down and say, let's. You know, let's avoid going to trial, um, and and usually the initiative would come from the defense, and um, and they would then say, well, you know, let's agree on the following facts. Uh, initially, this procedure was intended for you know long and and convoluted you know trials with prolix um, you know um, documents. Um, where the you know the the the, the, the court's time is saved by, you know, both parties, you know, agreeing. So in, in essence, it, it's to the advantage of both the, you know, the defense and the state where, as I say, court time is saved. Um, it, it, it might happen that um, perhaps the state might have difficulty in proving one or two elements, and that might be to, you know, to the state's uh, um, advantage. But it also gives the, you know, accused advantage in the, in, in the sense that, you know, he gets his pound of flesh from the state. He says, "I'm saving you the trouble to, you know, to go into trial, but for that, you know, I want to either to accept uh, a plea on, on on perhaps a slightly lesser charge, uh, or you know, a slightly lesser sentence." So the, you know, the accused would usually, I'm not saying always, but would usually enter into a plea and sentence agreement on on terms that are more favorable to him. Mm. But is it important to the state that the public actually has confidence in this process? And and, and I'm referring here to issues of transparency and accountability uh, because, you know, I for one would like to know, are there any records kept or a data uh, when plea bargains are made and are these accessible to the public? Yes, um, actually, the uh, you know the uh, the very section that I referred to, section 105A, 
states that the national director must issue out, uh, um, you know, policy directives, and he has done so. And amongst others, statistics must be kept of these um, uh, matters. So, yes, you know, statistics are, are being kept. And the public, um, you know, um, you know, they have, you know, these are, um, you know, um, official documents. So the public, um, you know, would have access, uh, um, you know, to them. You know, there's nothing um, sinister or anything about, you know, about the procedure. As I say, it's Parliament itself that has brought it on the, you know, on the statute books. So um, yes, you know, um, this, this, you know, um, it's a transparent process that uh, um, if, if anyone wants to, you know, um, have uh, um, access to, they can, you know, do so by all means. You to call, you know, the one of the plea bargainings that, uh, um, t- you know, took place here in the Pretoria High Court of uh, Biesru, um that was, uh, that, that, that led to, you know, con- considerable debate on the issue. Um, yeah, you know, the, 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 you know, people were wanted to, you know, to see the, the the agreement itself, and and yeah, you know, we made it available to them. June Marks, attorney at June Marks Attorneys, uh, thanks so much for joining us. Now, um, Advocate uh, George Baloy saying that when you look at some of the advantages of plea bargaining, both the state and the defence have something to gain. Do you agree with that sentiment? Yes, indeed, I do. Obviously, the accused has to gain in it given a much reduced sentence, and the state has to gain in that they're not put to the expense or the trouble of a trial. And obviously there's to gain in many of these key and sentence agreements in white-collar crimes, there would be some form of compensation as part of the agreement for the victim. So it would seem to be a much more favorable approach to the matter. And what about the victim in this instance? Because, you know, um, it would seem, and, and, and this is a, a purely anecdotal as I speak because I don't have any empirical evidence to back it up, but it would seem as though there is a rise in the number of plea bargains or maybe it's just from a reading of so many uh, across time. And as far as the victim is concerned, the Act does provide for the victim to have input into the process and to comment on the plea bargaining agreement. And my experience certainly has been in, as I said, white-collar matters or in sports and theft. There is provisions in the plea bargaining agreement for compensation or paybacks to the victims. So it would seem that the victims would also benefit from a plea bargaining process. But where the evidence, you know, seems to be fairly cut and dry, like the Emmanuel Sitole case, why would the state then need to enter into a plea bargain agreement with the, the uh, suspects? Firstly, it's going to save the state the expense of a trial. As you would have noticed, some of these trials are carrying on for extended periods of time and being very costly. And second of all, the evidence is never really cut and dry. And as far as litigation is concerned, you never know what is going to happen in the courtroom. Everybody thought in Devani the matter was extremely cut and dry. And what about the moral and ethical considerations when it comes to plea bargaining? Because, you know, it, it would seem somewhat uh, immoral, someone, uh, somewhat unethical to enter into an agreement with uh, someone who is guilty of perpetrating a crime. Perhaps, uh, Advocate uh, George Baloy, you would like to weigh in on that. Um, because, you know, it, it does seem in some instances one could read it, uh, depending on where you're coming from, as, you know, an indication of incompetence or laziness, uh, you know. Um, and uh, I, I take your argument that perhaps you are trying to save the state money. But, you know, 
why does it have to happen as often as it does? Yeah. Uh, Sikina, I just want to concur um, um, with, with um, the, the, you know, the fellow panelists there as, as far as the victim is concerned that the victim, you know, uh, in terms of this procedure, the victim is, uh, uh, before the state presents the the agreement before court, it must consult with the victim and um, and, 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 and have their inputs. And, and not only that, but the, the state must also consult with the investigating officer who is charged with the uh, investigating of the offence um, to also um, um, have his input. And, uh, and another safeguard is that you know the, the court will not uh, um, approve or sanction the agreement if it's of the view that the sentence is not just. So there are built built-in safeguards, you know, to, 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 to protect the, uh, you know, the, the, the victim. And as far as compensation is concerned, yes, um, in the matter that I mentioned uh, of BSRU, you know, there was substantial compensation to the, you know, to, to, to the family of the deceased in the, you know, in the matter. Uh, but coming to your question as to, you know, why would, uh, you know, the state, um, Enter into a plea and sentence agreement with the, you know, with the, you know, with the defence. As we mentioned, that um, you know, really the whole purpose is, is to, you know, um, short circuit the trial to save the court's time, um, to decongest the court roles, um, so that uh, um, perhaps a case that, uh, uh, as my colleague pointed out, a case, you, you know, um, in the case of uh, a white collar crime. Um, you know, a, a fraud matter that might have taken, you know, two weeks, it's finalized in, you know, say, in, in a day's time. I mean, the, 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 the advantages must be pretty obvious, you know. Perhaps another case, so cases might be, um, you know, um, put on the roll and, 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 um, and, and, yeah, you know, more cases would then be finalized in that way. Well, this morning on the Forum Date, we are asking you, is plea bargaining a distortion of justice? What are your views on this particular matter? 0891-104-208. We are in conversation with Advocate uh, George Baloy, who is Deputy Director of Public Prosecutions for the Gauteng Division, and also uh, June Marks, who is attorney at June Marks Attorneys. Let's go to Eddie in Edenvale. Good morning, Eddie. Sakina, panel, look. Originally, a plea bargaining was a good idea if used selectively. When the state hasn't got a very strong case, and then they can get one of the accomplices to to collaborate by giving them a plea bargain. But in most cases, it's a gross miscarriage of of, of justice. You take from from the Kebble uh, case where three murderers were totally uh, exonerated, got off completely. Now that was actually disgusting. Uh, in in America, it's not just here. In America, there's been uh, it's been grossly abused. Tens of thousands of mainly uh, indigent African Americans get uh, they, they 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 get pressurized. They, they, the, the 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 state says we're going to go for the maximum sentence. But if you if you agree to to plead guilty, and in most cases they aren't even guilty, but the, the alternative is so severe that they plead guilty, and uh, you know, and and and, that, and and that's another example. So uh, the the other factor is that the a, a good defence can 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 say that the. Uh, 
the the, the uh, plea bargain the, the, the person is only doing it to 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 get a lighter sentence. So it it, it devalues that person's testimony. So I say. It's it's a gross cop out by, by by the state. In many cases, the judge should be should be taking a, a part there, but he just rubbers he or she just rubber stamps it. How often have you heard where a judge or magistrate has said that the plea bargain is is too light and increased it? It just doesn't happen. So. Uh, it, 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 it should be rethought, and then and, and then you get uh, the, where it's a, a, a situation between the the, the prosecutor and and, mm-hmm. and the police and so on. They come up with some ridiculous light community service. Now, who decides on on who should have a community service for a, for a crime? And, and and just and just do a bit of paperwork or sweep some papers away. And okay, okay. Thanks, Eddie. We'll get uh, Advocate Baloy to answer that. Uh, Tolani in Mtata. Good morning. Hi, SK. Morning. I think for me, we need to look at the type of uh, incidences when it comes to plea bargains. One, if someone has killed because either he was hired. And then, because they want, uh, they, I mean, the prosecution and investigation wants to have uh, access to the person who hired. And then that person gets free because of the plea bargain or gets a, a linear sentence. The challenge with that, we will know as the public, if that person killed my family member because he wins, because of a plea bargain, what do you think as a family I'm going to say that this guy is out because he saved the government money and all that, but he, I know that he's the one who pulled the trigger. The, the our judiciary system needs to look into that, how they look at when the plea bargain must be played. All Thanks. right. Thank you so much, Kolani. Karim in Durban. Sakina, my ex-Senaton friend, how are you? <laughs> well, and you? Sakina, let's just put one thing in perspective here. It's a very good discussion, but you know the the... The um, uh, the, the uh, director of public prosecution at the moment is in such shambles. There is so so much of a loss of integrity in that whole department of public prosecutions and whatever. There's, there's people being fired, people being hired, uh, people who have no integrity, and that alone is causing a problem in the sense that when people go in plea bargaining uh, for their sentences, they I think this is my personal view. There is so much of corruption involved in that, that, that particular agenda as well because we don't know what goes on behind the scenes. And I think it's not fair that the person that the perpetrator gets into plea bargaining and he gets out shot free. It should be implemented very rigidly, should be transparent. There is no transparency in our legal system. There's so much of underhand uh, things going on, and the public is disappointed to the point where they don't have a say in anymore. I think the time has come where the South African legal system should be completely reassembled and get organized, because in the last few months, We've had so much of drama with the uh, public prosecution situation, and I don't trust anybody anymore because I think corruption is so right. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. Karim Siswe Eteguini, good morning. Sakina, look, uh, while I might understand that some cases are difficult to crack, but look at the case of uh, Glenn Akliotti and the killing of Brad Kibble. 
ultimately nobody was held uh, responsible for, for, for the death of, of black people. Secondly, if you look at the case of, of, of Diwani, while there were people who were sent to prison, there was no deal which was made. Ultimately, the, the, people who, the, the person whom the South African public believed was the mastermind in the case got caught free. So who determines when and who should be uh, afforded to be to, to the, the, this plea packing? All right. Thank you so much. Um, that is where Etegwini. Let me read some of the SMSs coming through. Uh, this one says, uh, why is it that most plea bargains are entered into by legal aid lawyers? Now, I'm not sure of that, but we'll put that to our panel. Um, uh, KB says, I think this plea bargaining indicates laziness and incompetence of our security and judicial personnel. The Divani case is one in point. And then a plea bargain is still far better than bungling of cases by by the NPA, had Shireen Divani been offered a plea, we would have come out with something meaningful. And this one says, in my many years of experience as a defense advocate, plea bargainings are very are hardly ever utilized and only happen if it suits the state. And JNL Spray says, I don't mind these bargains. Only if a very small fish is let off the hook for a very big one. And I hope uh, this is not done just because prosecutors are lazy and let go of serious criminals, even uh, with far lesser sentences. That's Jay in Outspread. And uh, Azania Native on Twitter saying, plea bargain is only good if uh, it is done for the greater good. For example, agreeing with one to secure the conviction of many. So those are some of your views. Um, Do keep them coming. The question we're dealing with this morning is a plea bargaining a distortion of justice? That's what we are grappling with, and that's what we have to uh, hope to have a greater understanding of by the end of today's show. On the forum today this morning, uh, we're looking at the issue of uh, plea bargaining and examining the fairness of it, the constitutionality of the process, and we ask the question: Is plea bargaining a distortion of justice? And uh, just looking at uh, some of your views, uh, some of what you are saying regarding this, Hotel Mutla. Bane says, is the priority to save time or is it to carry out justice? Why enter into a plea with if the state has a strong case? Maybe it's because the case is weak. And then Khumutu Maluleka says, a plea bargain is only acceptable when entered into with an accomplice and not the actual perpetrator. And Aniki Clark says, plea bargain is not to be used willy-nilly. Uh, it must be in serious cases uh, with weak evidence. Otherwise, it is a miscarriage of justice. And and, and just looking at what Khumutsu Maluleka uh, was saying there, and I just want to uh, repeat that tweet. She says, a plea bargain um, is only acceptable uh, when entered into with an accomplice and not a perpetrator. And then I'm reminded of this particular report um, uh, that came out, and it says, the National uh, uh, Prosecuting Authority will spend the next week preparing plea bargain agreements for two of the men accused of stabbing uh, Mozambique national Emmanuel Josias to death. Uh, the pair indicated that they went into, uh, they, uh, they want to enter into a deal with the state and abandoned their bail application in the Alexandra uh, Magistrates Court. Accused number one, Mtinto Bengu, is likely to enter into a plea when the case resumes next week. But Bengu is the man who was photographed attacking Josias 
us with a knife in the images that made headlines. So that is according to a news report. And and, and then uh, starkly highlights what Humoto is saying about, uh, you know, entering into agreements with accomplices and not the perpetrators per se. They are perpetrators, but perhaps, you know, the ones who had a lesser part is perhaps what Humoto is trying to say. So let's get back to our panel um, advocate, uh, George Baloy and uh, June Marks, uh, to hear what their views are on what has been raised. And uh, let me start with you, um, uh, advocate Baloy. The cases that keep coming up is, of course, the one that is in uh, the spotlight right now, Emmanuel Sitole. Then there is, of course, um, uh, the uh, Devani case and Brett Kebble. Those are the ones that people really seem aggrieved about. Yeah. Um, SK, as I pointed out at the beginning, that look, you know, the system, um, it, it's, I'm not saying the system is perfect, it's not a panacea. Uh, it's a useful tool that must be used uh, conscientiously. Um, the are um, uh, inbuilt safety guards, for instance, the uh, you know only prosecutors who are authorized by the national director may um, you know enter into plain sentence agreement, and it's usually you know your more experienced you know prosecutors, you know your senior prosecutors. So, you know, those are people that, uh, you know, better place to um, ensure that uh, um, an accused doesn't uh, escape, you know, his just deserts by entering into a plea and sentence agreement. And there's a similar process in terms of Section 112, Subsection 2, where um, an accused pleads guilty in court and he then... Um, submits a statement on the basis of which he pleads guilty. The only difference between um, these two processes, Section uh, 112, Subsection 2, and Section 105, is that in the case of Section 105A, you know, the plea and sentence agreement, you know, the, um, the, 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 the accused, as it were, uh, you know, has an upper hand and, and um, you know, he can secure, um, you know, a more favorable deal for himself, you know, whereas in terms of section 1122 when he pleads guilty he throw himself at the mercy of the court um, the listeners raised several issues i think the first one was eddie you know um, who said that you know plain sentence agreement uh, leads to uh, gross miscarriage of justice mm-hmm. uh, and and also mentioned um, that it's useful uh, accomplices i think also another reader um, another listener um, raised that as well um, that, you know, is mostly indigent applicants who use the system and they are pleasurized. Regarding this, this, this latter issue that uh, it's, you know, um, that, that indigent, indigent applicants are pleasurized, um, in terms of this process, the court must uh, establish from the accused if he pleaded freely and voluntarily, uh, you know, without being forced, you know, to do so. And, and um, as to um, the court must also establish that, you know, he's aware of his right not to incriminate himself. Mm-hmm. And, you know, all these issues, uh, uh, um, you know, will be contained in the, you know, in the agreement. But it goes so, back to the point that Khotso made. And, and, and he asked, is the priority to save time or is the priority to carry out justice? Yeah. Well, SK, you know, um, it's... It, 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 as I say, it, it, it's upon the prosecutor to really um, look at the agreement and say, you know, um, is this really, you know, the the the, the correct uh, um, 
is accused of admitting to the correct facts and um, is a sentence that's been, pro- you know, proposed, you know, a just sentence. So the prosecutor must make, you know, a valid judgment. And after that, you know, the agreement is submitted to the court and the court, you know, uh, must make, uh, you know, the same call. Um, the, the court must ensure that the accused uh, admits, you know, um, the issues that he says is admitting and most importantly, the court must satisfy itself that uh, the, 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 you know, the sentence is, 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 is just. Um, then there was uh, another caller, I think it's Tol- Tolani, Tolani. Um, uh, you know, he says the family, you know, uh, might perhaps feel aggrieved and, and uh, not, not have, you know, a right of recourse. As we mentioned in the beginning that, um, you know, the, the procedure requires the prosecutor to consult with the family and to have their buy-in. Oh, 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 here's, an, here's an SMS. Someone says, what if the victim or uh, the, the family members say no? What happens yes. then? Well, um, then, you know, it's for the prosecutor then to, to, uh, to explain to them, you know, the, the, the problems that uh, the state might uh, have to, uh, to face if we go on trial. And um, if, 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 um, if, if the, you know, the victims or the family cannot be convinced, then, um, you know, the agreement will just, you know, have to fall flat. And, and you know, we then go on trial. So, um, as I say, it will never be forced down the throat of uh, of a victim. You know, if if they are not happy with the agreement, you know, um, will then go on trial. You know, in the you know in, you know in the normal course. Then, coming from Durban, um, well, mentioned the state of play in the NPA and said the process is not transparent. You know, um, the public has got no say. But once again, as we mentioned, um, you know, the, the family of the, um, of, of, of the, you know, of the victim um, will be, you know, will be consulted, and the investigating officer will be consulted, and um, uh, I also mentioned the role that uh, the, the court plays. Caesar from um, Etiquini mentioned that, this, that the, the, the system is mostly utilized where the, you know, where the legal aid uh, um, lawyers. Um, look, um, it is so that in the majority of cases, you know, the case will be defended um, because it entails, um, you know, the agreement being reduced to writing. Um, and, you know, if an accused uh, is not, you know, represented, um, that, that, you know, um, it would be difficult for that accused, you know, um, to, um, you know, to reduce the, you know, the agreement to to, mm. to Let me come to June. Um, uh, June, it would seem as though you know uh, there seems to be um, you know a lack of trust uh, from the listeners in um, what they were saying and and what they were asking about this particular process. Do you think that ah. it is open to abuse? As with any process, obviously there is open to abuse, but I think that the abuse is a lot less than people actually think it is. People think that the process can harm innocent people who are indigent and, and the victims and the like. Um, as I've heard the advocate explain, the victims are completely consulted in the process and obviously the court is charged with inquiring as to whether this has been freely entered into. And we must also remember there's a prosecutor's code and the prosecutors have to respect that code as well. So I don't think it's as abused as people would think it is.
Well, uh, just looking at uh, some of the messages here, and, and, and as I was saying to uh, Advocate Baloy, uh, the, the ones that seem to come up all the time as uh, the Brett Kebble example, um, and, and, and perhaps I should ask you what's your take on the plea bargaining that took place in the Kebble case? I think that that is possibly a very high-profile case and a very isolated incident. Um, in terms of plea bargaining and, you know, in high-profile cases, the state is more inclined to want to get rid of the cases through plea bargaining than in most other cases. But would you say that this is a typical example of how the process can be abused, given uh, that, you know, uh, the the gunman actually turned state witness and they were acquitted? Um, I just missed your last sentence. Sorry. I'm saying if, if, if the person, the gunman, actually turns state witness and gets acquitted in this case, you know, surely that is a case... I, I accept that, that that is a case very much which was open to abuse, and obviously it was a highly publicized case. Now, and obviously the Devani case, there were a number of plea bargains in that case as well, and it wasn't exactly the nicest example of plea bargaining in action. Now, these are high-profile cases, as you point Fair out, enough, so, yes. and, and, and these are the cases that the public has unfettered access to, and, and, and this of is what course. they come to understand plea bargaining to be. It's very unfortunate that we've had a number of extremely high-profile cases in which there have been plea bargaining, and obviously people have seen them as open to extreme abuse. But um, I don't think, I think that can be seen more as the exception than the norm. And, and, and if you look at what's going to happen now, um, uh, uh, from what we are hearing about the uh, Josiah's Emmanuel, uh, Josiah Sitole case, yes. and, 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 you know, the, the fact that uh, there is talk uh, that there's an indication at least uh, that the state is, you know, looking at striking some deal with uh, some of the accused, two of the four, again. It's a, it's a similar case to the two another that we've just pro- mentioned. Of course, another very high-profile case where the emotions are running extremely high at the moment. And obviously people are feeling that the idea of making a deal with a murderer is extremely difficult. But must remember also that South Africa is not the only system that does it. That but that doesn't make it right, though. That doesn't make it right. And it comes back to the earlier question where we lost you about, you know, the ethics uh, around this particular matter. You know, striking a Obviously. deal with a murderer. <laughs> Obviously, like any other kind of a system, the system isn't perfect. I think that the idea behind the system, it has laudable motives. The idea being to save the state's time and money and obviously to um, punish or take out the society's um, vengeance on various perpetrators and obviously the incentive to be accused of being a lesser sentence. And obviously, we must realize also prosecutors would be open to their state employees and they would be open to a much easier victory than thinking to themselves, if I go to court and lose, this could be more unfortunate. So I agree with you in certain instances, people will feel aggrieved that you're making a deal. But in in other instances, I think that the system does work. It's just unfortunate that the exposure has been to various high-profile cases the state doesn't really want to take the risk of losing. Well, is that indeed the case, Advocate Baloy, that the state doesn't want to take the risk of losing and, 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 and that that is a motivator, especially in these high-profile cases, for entering into plea bargains? Yeah. 
Well, SK, I don't really think that, you know, the state would, uh, you know, enter into plea and sentence agreement merely, you know, um, to avoid the risk of losing a case. You know, unfortunately, the, the cases that have been cited, uh, you know, um, perhaps uh, um, just as, a, 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 you know, a few examples that, um, that, that uh, perhaps give the uh, system a bad name. But, you know, it is a useful system. I mean, there are equally other cases, high-profile cases, you know, that have been, um, you know, successfully concluded by way of plea and sentence agreement. I mean, I can mention the Salibi case, the BS3 case, the Diwani case, um, and many other cases in the lower court. You know, remember that, um, you know, most of the criminal prosecutions take place in the lower court, and there are many that are successfully concluded there, you know, um, that, that perhaps, um, you know, um, are, are not mentioned. Um, but, you know, there are cases where um, even if the state has got a strong case, I mean, they feel that uh, if, if an accused is genuine, you know, is coming with a proposal, um, that is acceptable. And I must emphasize here that, you know, peace in this agreement is not you know, um, a, a system where an accused bargains away, you know, um, um, you know what, 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 uh, you know, uh, must um, happen to him in terms of, uh, you know, uh, conviction and sentence. In other words, he cannot bargain away, you know, a, a uh, you know, a conviction on an appropriate charge and an appropriate sentence. So um, it, it's really the duty is really upon the prosecutor to make sure that. Um, um, the accused pleads to the uh, correct charge and that the sentence that is proposing is an appropriate sentence, you know, in the circumstances. Well, just a reminder, if you've perhaps joined us late, uh, what we are discussing this morning and the question we are putting to you is uh, whether plea bargaining is a distortion of justice. And uh, what we're trying to look at is, you know, uh, uh, how the prosecution uh, actually exercises its power when it negotiates a plea and sentence bargain. And uh, we also uh, want to uh, discuss and, and, you know, determine exactly uh, the usefulness and the fairness of this particular process. And our guest this morning, Advocate uh, George Baloy and uh, June Marks, an attorney. Uh, so what are your questions surrounding this? But before I go back to the lines, in fact, let me go to Mokhomotsi in, Matla, uh, in Mutlaking. Good morning, Mokhomotsi. Morning, Sakina. Look, you know, with, with every law, I think we always have to look at the intention of the legislature. Now, what uh, Advocate Baloy is saying, if indeed... The intention of 105 capital A, as you say, is to save the court time and money. Then it becomes a useless law because, remember, NTA is charged with administering justice. Now, if we have to administer justice, obviously it will take time in in terms of investigation and a lot of resources, financial resources, to determine an appropriate uh, outcome. Now, my my question to Advocate Balo is that, Remember the, the, the Moses Tatani case in the free state. We've seen in television that he was murdered, and we, we know also there's a doctrine of common people. And nobody was convicted. Now the question is, does he really believe that we have enough capacity in the state to administer justice? Because if it means there is capacity, then we don't need this law. This law is unjust and needs to be done away with. 
Uh, thank you. That's my contribution. Thanks so much, uh, Mohamotsi. And uh, just to add to that, uh, you know, looking at some of your contributions, Dumisani Dukes Mukwena says the introduction of plea bargaining by the South African Law Commission in 1996 was an unprecedented mistake uh, in our judiciary. Currently, the whole process contributes to police laziness and investigation and insufficiency. Hence, I believe this act of plea bargaining has to be abolished so that the police can empirically investigate and yield trustworthy evidence. Uh, Zippo Zawo Ahaya says, it would have been better if the victim had a say on whether the perpetrator gets it or not. I think the prosecutors are obsessed with winning cases and lazy to prepare and interrogate the facts. Henka Kutsia says, there's no ordinary person uh, that got that service. It's only people that have money that are linked with senior staff in police and justice and there is no justice to uh, ordinary uh, victims. Uh, Mukhale Mampuru says, Vusi Pikoli undue gave Mark Thatcher and Glenn Agliotti plea bargain agreements. And Tommy says, if this is what happens in high-profile cases, what confidence can we have in the fairness of our judicial system? June, let me start with you. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Okay. Um, some of the comments are well-founded. I would say it has certainly been my experience I do a lot of white collar matters, so I would have come into cross with plea bargains mostly in those matters, and it has certainly been my experience that it's an easy win, an easy way out for the police and for the prosecutors, and very little investigation has been done in the matters where I've certainly seen some very unfortunate plea bargains in white collar matters, so I will give them that. However, I do think that the system does require a plea bargaining process. Most of the wins, in certainly in the white-collar crimes, have been on a plea bargaining situation. But I also see it from a plea bargaining perspective. There is very little chance of the victim getting any form of restitution unless there is a plea bargaining process in place. Because the perpetrator simply will, walk or, will continue to fight the system in perpetuity, and the plea bargaining process has certainly allowed release of monies to victims of crime. It's certainly been my experience. So that is my views on that. Okay, before I get to you, um, Advocate Baloy, let me read a few more SMSs here. Uh, this one says, the Sitole murder case was clear-cut, caught on camera. It is disgraceful uh, cop-out uh, to enter into a plea bargain for that case. Uh, this one says, this is a policy to service state weaknesses. And uh, Wayne in East London says, the justice system in South Africa is in a complete mess. Giovanni was not convicted. Oscar got only 10 months and uh, the list goes on plea bargaining is a no no that's Wayne in East London Oscar 10 months I don't know okay let's move on uh, Tokozani Pagati in Kempton Park says this is a total miscarriage of justice and gross humiliation to victims and uh, Mbulelo in PE says if those in affirmation with plea bargaining are honest why will they still why they still why do they still comply with it in the event that their family member is executed in cold blood by known suspects so uh, not quite believing uh, you know that uh, we are hearing the whole truth there so again um advocate if i can just uh, come back to you your response to what the listeners are saying this morning yeah well okay um let me start with uh, um what mukhumoti in the second race about the uh, moses tatani case that case had 
it's uh, nothing to do with uh, uh, a Pinsent agreement. You know, these were witnesses who deviated from their statements and left the state in the lurch. You know, um, and and like his. Uh, were acquitted because, you know, uh, of the poor showing of the, uh, you know, of the witnesses. The other point that I want to make is, um, you know, we must keep in mind that the defense is entitled to the contents of the docket. So usually, um, the, the, before the accused enters into Pearson's agreement, he would have been uh, placed in possession of uh, the contents of the docket. He would have seen what uh, the... Um, uh, you know, the nature of the evidence is against him. And usually <laughs> the accused will not enter into a clear sentence agreement if, if he's convinced that, you know, um, there's a, a chance that he might be acquitted. So uh, an accused will enter into a clear sentence agreement after perusing the, um, you know, the, the information that has been put at his or her disposal. And he would have realized that, you know, the state has got a watertight case. And he would then say, um, um, you know, um, I'm coming forward and say, you know, um, let's avoid the need to go on trial. You know, I'll admit these facts um, and, and uh, uh, I propose this sentence. And, 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 and the prosecutor, you know, after, you know, um, you know very uh, conscientious um, and, and in very, circumstance, very circumspect and, and careful consideration of, of the proposal, he will then make a call as whether mm. you know he accepts that proposal or not. I, I just want to mention that um, if a minimum sentence is applicable, you know, um, in, in, in an offence that the accused is charged with, and if the prosecutor wants to accept a sentence that's that's, that's lesser than the one that that the legislature, you know, has prescribed for that type of sentence, then you know he must consult the office of the. Director of Public Prosecution, you know, in that particular province. So in that way, you know, um, the, um, there's also, you know, a measure of control from the highest office in that province, uh, in, in that province, uh, uh, namely the office of the uh, Director of Public Prosecutions. Um, as I mentioned, um, um, I'm not saying the system is perfect. Um, you know, um, I think what is important is really for um, you know for for us as prosecutors to make sure that um, you know we um, look at every proposal that's put uh, forward to us. Um, you know, um, very carefully with a fine tooth comb, and and um, and and what is important. For us to, con- you know, um, uh, as, as we expected mm. to do, to consult with the family of the victim, you know, the investigating officer, and um, I, I think if we do that, you know, there, there really shouldn't be much uh, criticism of the system. Well, and that's where we're going to leave it. Tommy says uh, uh, we don't really expect the perfect to be uh, the system to be perfect. We just want a system that is fair. And uh, judging by most of the messages coming through this morning uh, in response to the question, is plea bargaining a distortion of justice? Most of you believe uh, that it certainly is. Well, thanks so much to our guests this morning uh, for uh, sharing their time with us. June Marks, an attorney at June Marks Attorneys, and George Baloy, advocate um, uh, George Baloy, who is Deputy Director of Public Prosecutions for Gauteng Division. And to the production team for making sure it went out loud and clear. And to our fantastic listeners, uh, those are messages that we didn't have an opportunity to read, you can go and have a look at on our website. It's nine o'clock, a time for news with Vibakshni Chetty Miller.